0: I would like to dedicate this episode to the victims and families of the Club Q shooting in Colorado that took place on November the 9th. I was working on this episode when it happened, and since then, I have seen a lot of beautiful strength in our community and a lot more hate from some others. The shooter's own father was unfazed by a son's act, but was only concerned that his son wasn't himself gay when interviewed after. He could have cared less about the lives his son has taken. I have also seen and heard preachers on social media using this tragedy to instill even more hatred and fear into the hearts of their congregations. One even said that he was glad that it happened. This is a supposed man of God who was joyous that people were murdered. What kind of medieval, dark-age type of world are we living in? It would appear that the call is coming from inside the house. The devil they believe in so much has already seemed to make his way into the hearts of more churches than we could possibly know. This next part and pretty much the rest of this podcast was written the day before the tragedy, and I will try to carry a more positive tone throughout the rest of this episode. I do not want to allow myself to put more negativity into the world than is already there. So, my darlings, let's educate and grow out of this rotten dirt that we have been handed. Because like the seed, we too can produce something beautiful out of a bunch of crap. As I was scrolling through my mirror not long ago and came across a few men of the cloth standing on their pulpits and spewing some hateful things. Something along the lines that someone like myself should be lined up and executed. I even found another preacher talking about how men with painted nails gave him such intense rage that he wanted to take that person's hand and break their fingers. Can you just for a second imagine being so fragile that nail polish triggers you? I, for one, would much rather see pretty polish than the crud I see in most men's fingernails. Crusty crust, I'm just saying... I use the same bathroom as men, and 99% of you do not wash your hands, no matter what you do in there. Can you imagine all the horrible, evil, and disastrous things that occur on our planet every single day? But instead of teaching your church about them and praying for them to work out, you'd rather use your time to screech about nail polish and gay people being murdered. I want to help balance out any hate that I discover, and for those of you who may feel less than or fearful of people who spew these things, I feel that those of us who are unfazed by their ramblings should offer reassurance to you to have no fear Because, honey, we've got this. Now, I grew up immersed in a southern style of a well-known religion. And I am very familiar with how fear-mongering is a lot more productive at controlling and filling the pews and offering bowls on Sunday more than teaching about the good that Jesus did. That, and don't ask too many questions... Like, if Adam and Eve were the first people and had two sons, how did their sons marry other women? Or, if my father hears voices telling him to sacrifice me, how worried do I really need to be? These are both true questions that I asked preachers as a child. (laughs) I believe I got the good old, well, you just have to have faith. I, for one, am not a person led by blind faith. Before I go any further, I want to say this is not an attack on anyone's religion. To each their own honestly. And I hope whatever spiritual practice you follow, that it brings you so much joy and happiness. I know mine certainly does. I do love how churches can help build up communities and give someone a feeling of family among strangers. This is an eye-opening on how some rotten people will use their own interpretations of their own beliefs to cast negativity onto those who don't agree with or live in the ways that they deem the correct way. Watching and listening to those men on those videos got me thinking about how this kind of platform was first used to spread hateful narratives. Why do people listen to these kinds of messages? How many people do I know who would agree with them? Should I take off my nail polish before I go into the grocery store next? That last one was my first thought in fear, but I did not take it off. In fact, I added two more layers of glitter to them. Stay bothered. Have you ever noticed that these men are always the first to point out another man's outfit? Whether it be the cut, collar, design of the fabric, the makeup or nail polish that they wear to complement it, or anything else about them, honestly. Most of the women I know just go about their day, maybe a Yas Queen or Oh Girl Them Shoes. But these men will always be the first to scrutinize another man's fashion choices. Calm down, Tyra. I wanted to thank everyone for your kind reviews on our lessons together. It really gives me life to read how passionate you are about learning history and some positive lessons. As always, I see everything in my magic mirror. But if you would like to rate or review Rot to the Core so everyone else can see, you can wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any ideas you'd like to hear about in the future, you can find me on Instagram at It's Rotten to the Core. In today's lesson, I wanted to pinpoint a certain radio host who used his platform to spew hate and anti-Semitic opinions. He definitely used his mic to spread some rotten ideas. So now I shall use mine to inform and try to find a lesson or two out of him. I introduce you now to Father Charles Coughlin, a Canadian-American radio priest who specialized in broadcasting brimstone from his studio near Detroit, Michigan. He was the founding priest of the National Shrine of the Little Flower, dubbed the Radio Priest. He was one of the first political leaders to use radio to reach a mass audience. During the 1930s, when the U.S. population was about 120 million, An estimated 30 million listeners tuned in to his weekly broadcast. That is about one-fourth of the U.S. that was tuning in weekly to listen to this man. He had the ear of millions and he took that opportunity to fill them with a lot of rotten opinions. Born in Ontario, Canada on October 25th, 1891, as the only child of a working class Irish Catholic couple. His childhood home was smack dab in the middle of a Catholic church and a convent. From a very young age, religious programming was the centerpiece of his future. We also know that racism is taught, so I will say it's safe to say he probably started his anti-Semitic beliefs at the same time further cementing his opinions with a dangerously high amount of divinity. I mean, how can you be wrong when God himself is leading you? If you or someone you love is experiencing in disembodied voices, help is out there. It's not God, it's mental illness. By 1911, Charles had graduated from Toronto University and attended St. Basil's Seminary School After. Eventually obtaining his ordination into the priesthood in 1916, he was a member of the Basilian Order, which was first established in France in the early 1800s. They studied medieval church doctrine in the context of fierce opposition to modern economic and social developments. They believed that the church should return to its theological roots. Many of them regarded the practice of usury as the main source of the ills that afflicted modern society. For those that don't know, because I sure as hell didn't, usury is the act of charging high interest rate on loans. Really? They believe that's the cause of all evil in the world? I mean, maybe if they just had better credit, they wouldn't have such high interest rates. I'm just saying. Don't blame Jewish people because you couldn't get a cosigner, Charles. Mm Mm-hmm. As you can already tell, this initial belief is what would later grow into full-blown anti-Semitism and the urge for him to vocalize it. There is currently an emotionally stunted artist who is doing something similar with the same opinions. I'll give you a hint, he is a self-proclaimed genius and recently lost his partnership with Adidas. Yee-haw! Love to see live-action karma take place. Around 1819, Charles left the Basilians and became a diocesan priest of the Diocese of Detroit, and after a lucky meeting with the Bishop of the Diocese of Detroit, he was granted the go-ahead to start his own parish in Royal Oaks, Michigan. His church, the Shrine of the Little Flower, is still there to this day. I actually have a friend whose aunt was married there. Small world. Charles did remain a busy bee in the years he was establishing his virgin vagina, I I mean, shrine at the Little Flower Church. During the time he was building the shrine, somehow, the idea to start a radio broadcast to teach catechism classes to children entered into his mind. And by 1926, he began his soon-to-be-famous radio show, He quickly started to pick up on listeners and it didn't take him long to begin implementing his own personal and political overtones into all of his broadcasts. I mean, I kinda do the same aside from politics. I am a queer queen so you can probably guess my views, but the only people I throw hate towards are racist, killers, rapists, and people who take too long in line at the cafe in the morning. The longer you take asking that barista... Do you have anything that doesn't taste like coffee? The more you risk running into whom I call anti-Josh. He is the opposite of the queen you have all grown to know and tolerate. In 1930, he gained a reputation as the voice of the common man among his loyal listeners and soon launched a crusade against communism. His message drew upon his own fear that a communist influence was spreading in the United States. Even during the 1932 election for president, Charles used his influence to formally endorse Roosevelt, as he believed that he was the best chance to prevent a communist takeover in the United States. It worked. But as soon as he was elected president, Roosevelt started to distance himself from the radical radio show host but he still used Charles' influence to gain support. Well, being used like that didn't sit too well with Charles, and once he realized he wouldn't be a member of Roosevelt's cabinet, he turned on him and his New Deal. He began publicly attacking the president, often on his show by 1935. During the 1930s, Charles was one of the most influential people in the United States. A new, larger post office was even built in Royal Oaks, with the main purpose of processing the over 80,000 letters Charles received every week. His radio broadcast was reaching tens of millions of listeners every week at this point. In 1935, Coughlin created the National Union for Social Justice as a political action group that would represent the interest of his listeners in Washington, D.C., By the 1936 presidential election, the NUSJ had more than 1 million paying members. He supported some issues associated with the left, such as federal support to prop up the dollar, and others with the right, such as America First foreign policy. They are still pressing the American First policy, which is kind of a funny name if you think about it the americas include north south greenland as well as the caribbean america is the name of our continent not our country so by saying like make america great you're also talking about south america greenland and the rest of our continent ignorance is bliss i suppose and there is no one more ignorant than proud boys during the 1920s, most of Charles's anti-Semitic opinions were often muted on air. But after his split from Roosevelt, he started explicitly attacking Jews during his broadcasts. Some historians attribute this change to Coughlin taking advantage of rising anti-Semitism around the world to keep himself relevant. Based on his speeches, writings, and associations, however... He appears to have had significant anti-Semitic sentiments throughout his whole career. He explained to his listeners on November the 20th, 1938, that the communistic government of Russia, the Lenins and Trotskys, atheistic Jews and Gentiles, had murdered more than 20 million Christians and had stolen $40 billion of Christian property. Fun fact, throughout human history, over 25 million people have been murdered in the name of God. That includes all the Crusades and all other holy wars, as well as personal murders and those committed by churches, such as the indigenous conversion death schools in Canada. With World War II approaching, Coughlin's politics shifted further towards the right. He promoted fascist dictatorship and authoritarian government as the only cure for the ills of democracy and capitalism. He associated with fascist leaders and known anti-Semitic thinkers in the Anglo-American world, such as Henry Ford. In a 1938 broadcast, Coughlin helped inspire and publicize the creation of a political association called the Christian Front, a militia-like organization the Front promised to defend the country from communists and Jews. The Front organized by christian rallies through the country. In New York City, police arrested several militiamen from the organization for harassing Jewish people on the street. Many of them were seniors, women, and children. With time, the Christian Front's language became increasingly violent. It made national news in 1940 when the Federal Bureau of Investigation arrested 18 members in Brooklyn, New York, on suspicion of conspiring to overthrow the government. Its members continued to attract headlines during the early 1940s for mostly violent acts against Jews. Is this giving anyone else chills? It really seems that history is kind of repeating itself here, but instead of just Jews, it's Anyone who isn't a white, straight, Christian. A lot of them have it in their minds that this country founded on freedom from religious prosecution is strictly theirs. And that they have first dibs on laws, resources, and who gets to live here. The old, if you don't like it, you can get out, phrase comes to mind. Newsflash, straight white people, you're becoming a minority. They will no longer hold the mic in every conversation. I've got it now. I do know the power having a microphone can give a person, and the fact that a queer person can publicly condemn a straight man for his rotten actions is proof of that reality. Coughlin was an isolationist from the beginning of his career. During World War II, he blamed Jews for inciting strife in Europe. He vigorously opposed any foreign interventions by the United States government. Even after the Japanese Navy and Air Force attacked Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, Coughlin denounced the entry of the United States into World War II. He claimed that the Jews had planned the war for their own benefit and had conspired to involve the United States. The U.S. government had been tracking Coughlin even before Pearl Harbor, And in September 1941, Coughlin's request for a passport was denied by the U.S. State Department. Under the reason of, basically, he was reported a pro-Nazi. You don't get to travel if you're a Nazi. I'm sorry, not sorry. Coughlin's comments after Pearl Harbor and changing public sentiment towards entry into the war gave the government its opportunity to restrict his political activities. In 1942, FBI agents raided his church and seized all parish records and personal papers. During the investigation, U.S. Attorney General Francis Biddle argued that Coughlin's magazine, Social Justice, had repeated in the United States, the lines of enemy propaganda warfare being waged against this country from abroad. U.S. authorities permitted Coughlin to continue to publish his magazine, however... He was prohibited from using the United States Postal Service to distribute it. On May 1st, 1942, Archbishop Edward Mooney, the new leader of the Catholic Church in Detroit, instructed Coughlin to cease all non pastoral activities on pain of being defrocked. I myself have defrocked a man or two, but apparently it does not mean the same thing to Catholics. Who knew? Charles continued his management of the Shrine of the Little Flower until his retirement in 1966. He died in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan in 1979 at the age of 88. Church officials stated that he had been bedridden for several weeks and he was later buried in the Holy Sepulchre Cemetery in Southfield, Michigan. Father Charles Coughlin was taught from a young age to be anti-Semitic and Catholic. Both were so engraved into his existence during his lifetime that he felt the need to condemn vocally and publicly those who did not agree with his opinions. His earworms managed to reach millions of listeners, and he truly helped shape a large portion of his generation with them. To this day, his church, known as just the shrine to locals, usually skips the negative story of its founder, its new members, opting more to focus on the positives he did for his community and religion instead of his hatred and condemnation of Jews. Father Coughlin used his microphone to spread an immeasurable amount of hate into his generation that has given way to today's even more vocal denouncing of anything but a cisgendered, white, straight, God-fearing life. So, I hope I have used my mic to help dispel some of that negativity. I am always willing to share bread with anyone from any spiritual belief. Let's grow into the future together. It doesn't have to be one or the other. You have every right to live your life as you choose, the same as I do. But you do not have any right to force your own personal views and opinions onto me and others. I hope you have all found the history of Father Charles Coughlin as enlightening as I have. I think he definitely qualifies as rotten to the core, and hopefully there were a few lessons that you were able to get out of him. I know that I learned that as a person with a microphone, I have the ability to reach many others with my own opinions, and I have and will continue to value and honor this responsibility for as long as I can. Let's be there for each other. If you or someone you know is having trouble regulating your or their thoughts of anger, please seek some kind of mental assistance before you take the lives of others into your own hands and possibly get the snot kicked out of you by a transsexual's high heel. I hope you all have a beautiful rest of your day and really, thank you so much for listening and supporting my podcast. Let's all learn how to make friends out of our enemies this holiday season. And as always, thank you for being a friend.